Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to Anime Ichiban, Gubastam's dedicated podcast, dedicated anime podcast, not just the only podcast. Also, Happy New Year's! Welcome to 2021-2021. We made it! We made it past 2020. That means all is right in the world now, right, Kyle? Mm. Right? That's what it means. Everything is right in the world. We made it. We defeated the evil 2020. I mean, nothing bad has happened in the first 48 hours of 2021 yet. This is a think. win. This is a victory. Small victories. You got to appreciate them sometimes. Mm. Got to build up that XP. Anyways, joining me this week, as you just heard, is Mr. Kyle Rogashone, and only Mr. Kyle Rogashone. Harry isn't, well, I guess that's a bad thing. Harry's already sick within the first 48 hours. So 2021's um, already claimed its first yes, victim. Yeah, uh, that is bad, but, you know. Yeah, it, it is not COVID as far as we know. Uh, he's just got a cold, but he's not feeling well enough to record. So it's just me and Kyle this episode again. But we're still going to have a good one. As always, we can make it work. It. I had a very low-key New Year's. <laughs> All mm. I did was uh, spend it playing games, watching anime, and reading visual novels, nice. essentially. I don't that's, know about you. That, that's all you really, really need. Um, yeah, I I live with a couple friends, so you know, we, we were mm-hmm. hanging out, had some champagne uh, to mm-hmm. ring in the new year and all that. We had some people around us popping off fireworks. I don't know how it was for you in your neighborhood. Yeah, we had I had a handful of people. Not It wasn't super close so it wasn't super loud but I, it was definitely noticeable mm, mm, yeah no fairly yeah i think it was a fairly low-key new year all around for everybody right yeah exactly not not a whole lot of people could do on this kind of new year's for sure unless you're I, an asshole yes that's true you could have <laughs> that you could take that job class and then you gain some quote-unquote benefits mm. <laughs> uh i've been on i've been on break from work for the past two weeks we uh we would normally shut down for one week between uh new year's and or christmas and new year's but i had so much vacation time carry uh saved up from out the year because there was nowhere for me to go that i just and also we only carry over so much of it into the new year yeah so i just had to use the rest of it and so i got a whole extra week off essentially on top of the week and so the past two weeks now again i've just been well, first of all, I realized that this 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 break made me realize that I might be a workaholic. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, and that for the first week or so, why not? because it's one thing if it's like a dedicated vacation and I'm going somewhere and it feels like a vacation, but it's another thing where I'm like, okay, I'm at home. Now what? Mm. And it took me like that first week to convince my mind, it's like, it's okay if you just want to play games all day, you don't have to do something productive to justify that. It's a break. It's supposed mm. to be a break. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't rewire my brain to understand that until recently. So the past week, I finally got into just watching a whole lot of anime, playing a whole lot of games. Mm, nice. But uh, before that, it's just like, I, I want to do something productive. Let's do, I don't know what, but I need to figure something out when that wasn't mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I... I watched uh, Golden Kamui recently, all three seasons. Oh, which damn. I'm not sure if you. Yeah, uh, I I knew the third season was ending. I've always heard really good things about the show. I figured it's like you know what now now is probably a good time to jump into it. And you know what? It's a good fucking show. Yeah, it's, no, it's really a, it's good, a good. I gotta story. say. So ha- yeah. Um, yes. So have you heard of it? Yeah, I mean, I read the manga. Uh, oh, you have. Okay. I I was. <laughs> 
I never got onto the anime, mostly because um, I was very off-put by the CG bear. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the copious <laughs> use of CG. I'm not a yeah. huge fan of the animation, and the manga is so good that it felt like a downgrade for me. Um, but I, I understand, like, for a lot of people, you know, they prefer the or prefer watching anime. Um, and regardless of my thoughts on the animation quality, Golden Kamui's story is just a fucking plus. Yeah, so, yeah, and I will yeah. say like the the CG the CG beer because as my friend calls it, he can't say bear for whatever reason. Um, it it go after like the first three episodes, it doesn't really show up anymore. So yeah, the, the CG bear is definitely very odd. But yeah, I, I absolutely love this series for sure. It's just mm-hmm. like it's a, I'd, I'd always known about the iNews existence. I shouldn't say always. I've, I've known that they were a thing for a while, that they were the indigenous people mm-hmm, of Hokkaido, mm-hmm. uh, that they were also like even more, what's the word? I guess acclimated it into modern Japanese society than Native Americans are for American society and that they're even like, a, they're even their culture has been lost even more than Native Americans have. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I never really knew what that culture was, what their lifestyles were like. And just that's one of the aspects that make, makes Golden Kamui so fascinating yeah, yeah, yeah. is just uh, one, it's this really interesting time period for Japan that we don't really see in anime. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't familiar with the Russo-Japanese War. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what that was. I had to look that up online and see what the deal was because we don't learn too much about other wars that go on outside of the U.S. in our history classes in school. But, uh, yeah, that, learning what's going on there and just this kind of transition period from uh, the shogunate to a more modern government-driven uh, uh, system, just all the turmoil involved in that. It's just a fascinating point in history on top of just all this I knew culture as well. And I really wonder, I'm not sure if you have the answer to this, how, if the author has any connections to the Ainu people, or if he just no, really, I think really just did a giant history nerd. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah. Cause from what I remember, uh, it's been a while since I've read, uh, I, I need to mm-hmm. catch up, but, um, they do a really good job of like contextualizing everything because it is such in like, uncovered uh time period in japanese history that Mm -hmm. you don't see often like from any perspective really um early 20th century stories tend to not do i don't know if they just don't do so hot or they just don't like get covered because people like don't think that's a super interesting period but there's a it is a really interesting period of history but yeah the the degree to which the author like he pays a lot of attention to the details in terms of especially with the weaponry and like warfare and mm-hmm. all of that um yeah he places it into context of like the greater socio-cultural period which is this was a you know like you said a transitionary period not just for japan but for the world as a whole like the whole like outcome of the russo japanese war was that it was the first time a european power was beaten by an asian power right and that was yeah, like that's a huge fucking deal a huge deal yeah yeah and it, it was especially like for one as small as Japan. Yeah, exactly. Time, yeah. It was what catapulted Japan on the way towards being, you know, the Japanese Empire. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's fucking great. Golden Kamui is great. Um, and yeah, it, yeah, all the characters are great too. Exactly. What it's funny because 
going into the, I, I didn't know anything about this anime going into it really mm-hmm. like i'd somehow managed to like other other than i had some con- some preconceptions of it because i had seen some screenshots of it like mm-hmm. of a lot of ashirpa's faces and sugimoto's faces like you can imagine which ones i've seen like the yeah, ones yeah, yeah. that are worth being yeah, screenshotted yeah, yeah. of yeah. and so th- that was the extent of my exposure to this series and so with that alone i was going into this like this is some sort of like fantasy like kind of slapstick show yada yada and i was not expecting what is borderline historical fiction if not just flat out historical fiction. it's a historical uh, a revenge treasure hunt yeah and it's it's incredible how well it balances like stakes and relief of tension essentially mm-hmm. like you can go from just Completely, everyone's at each other's throats. Someone's go- potentially going to die. Someone already has died. To the very next scene, someone having to piss on someone's face because their tongue is stuck to someone's <laughs> button on their jacket. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> to relieve that yeah. tension immediately. And it 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 doesn't feel like whiplash. It's magic. It, I don't know how the show does it. It's mm. incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that, like what helps with that definitely is that the artist... Uh, really knows how to capture like slapstick comedy they they do a really mm-hmm. good job with physical humor um but right. that same physicality also extends towards the more serious stuff like when shit gets real like Su- sugimoto is fucking scary sometimes yeah yeah um, like the the punishment he takes yeah it, it's it's ex- it's an extremely expressive series mm-hmm. and something else that i'm just really impressed by excuse me is how it it kind of inverts the relationship between uh, the way a character is introduced and how relevant or important they will be to the story. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a handful of characters. Like, of course, Sugimoto is the main character, or Shippa the also main character, uh, Gen- uh, Lieutenant Tsurumi. Like, there are a handful of main characters. You see them, like, okay, you're going to be very important. You're going to be, like, pivotal to this story. Mm-hmm. And then you have a bunch of others, like... The way she writes, she is introduced. He's introduced as this one-off goofball character that you get the the uh, the copy of his tattoos on his back, and then you never see him again. And then he ends up being a pivotal character down the line, like recurring, standard, oh, yeah. permanent. Oh yeah. And that keeps repeating over and over and over again. Where a lot of these characters, you don't even get their names for the longest time. Like you'll get their name in passing because another character calls out to them. It's like. When you're at a social event and you're introduced to a whole bunch of people that are giving you your names and you don't remember any of them. So you're playing that game of someone else, uh, waiting for someone else to call them by their name so you don't have to ask them oh what their God. name is. It's kind of that same feel. But whatever that happens, they end up being this really important character. And then the few times that character is introduced by name and given like this proper introduction, they're killed like that episode or the episode afterwards. <laughs> oh my God. It's really funny to me. Yeah, it's been a while, um, so I can't recall who you're talking about specifically. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, bottom line, Golden Combo is very good. Um, and exactly, I, yeah. I should get back into it. Three seasons, though, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I, was that like, I will the say only I was... show that you binged? or? Um, It's the only new show I binged, uh, because okay, after gotcha. that, I wanted some actual straight-up comedy. Uh, before I move on to that, though, really quickly, I do want to mention the other thing I really like about Golden Combo is it's a... It's evolving core cast of characters too. It's not just like the same Sugimoto and Ashirpa, yeah, 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 together the whole time. Like who they travel with mm-hmm. and who their allies are with, it changes throughout. And that's why I like about Trails. So that's yeah, lots of things that I enjoy about it. But yeah, that's the only new show I binged. After that, I wanted 
uh, some just straight up slapstick to go along with it. And I was just going through things. Nothing. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't remember anything on my backlog that I wanted to check out. And so what I decided to do is I rewatched uh, Devil is a Part-Timer. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I forgot just how good that show is Did and you how watch much I want a second season. Did you watch sub I watched it half subbed, half dubbed. Okay, and because the dub is honestly like really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the localization of the lines of the dub is very good, but some of the delivery of the voice actors could be a little bit uh, better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chi Chan specifically, I think she was not that great, but I do agree. Like some of the way they translate the lines is a plus 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 plus. But yeah, it's oh man, I just want more reverse isekai. I don't understand with how big isekai is. Why we don't have more series that goes the other way around. Yeah. It baffles me. Like we have Devil's a part timer, we got Gate, and we got Outbreak Company, There's and then be... uh, also Recreators. Those are the could, only four I can think you of. Technically, call Fate. In Fate is not a reverse isekai. isekai. I don't no. know what. It, it, okay. <laughs> Like, it depends on how you want to define what an isekai is. If it's strictly, okay, a character from another world gets transported to another world. But I I like the broader term of, or broader idea of an isekai encompassing something where it's somebody, a character who is a, like, fish out of water in terms of just our world. Um, Exactly, yeah. And in, in that case, fate is not that because the servants... Are transported to our world with knowledge of the current time period and everything. That's fair. That's true. Yeah. It's so a, it's mm. it's not it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not like fucking Mao coming and be like, "What is this? That, that's what is true. this Katsu Doom?" Very true. Hmm. Yeah. And so, oh man, I just want more. I I don't I don't understand. And I feel like it. You would think that a reverse isekai would be easier. To write, yeah, so that way because you don't have to like fucking world build. Yeah, like you you build a you build the world like around a single character essentially, mm-hmm. and that should in theory be like I'm not an author, so I could be wrong, but that should be in theory easier than. And granted, like a lot of isekai don't even really bother with. That's what I was like, going to mention. Like, aside from like Log Horizon, what other isekai like really digs into like the world that you're setting the story in uh i know you don't like it but re-zero does um, yeah it does mm-hmm. it, it does uh that, that's fair yeah yeah uh and then uh i'm sure there are others i mean honestly like my right favorite now. part of re-zero is everything that isn't subaru <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah. i i as i was like checking out the first few episodes of season two i was like man i just really want a series about Krush. Who's that again? Uh, that is the green-haired military woman who loses her arm. Oh, I forgot about yeah, yeah. With uh, yeah, I'm uh, waiting for all boy, of... cat boy, girl. Oh yeah, Felix. I remember yes. now. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for all of season two to finish so I can just uh, oh, right, go through like, that part without one just waiting. Got released and that's it. And then there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, part two is starting up, Wait, so I'll speaking, finally be able to start watching. Speaking of it new soon. releases, is Yuru Camp season two out yet? Nope. In two more days, I believe. Okay. So okay, good. when our listeners are listening to this, I think Eurocamp will be out. I think it will be out. Uh, I've waited three years. Oh, we also got a release date uh, for Zombieland Saga. So 2021 yeah, is yeah. the year April. of anime we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. 
oh man now if we just get a season two of devil's apart timer all would be all would be right in the world mm, mm, nice all righty what have you been ingesting as of late yeah though? so i have i think i've shared this before but i have like my backlog written out and it's got like 15 yeah. fucking games <laughs> on it so right now i'm swapping through a bunch of different things uh at the moment i am trying my best to finish disco elysium which is mm. one of the best rpgs i've ever played uh it feels yeah, exactly I've, like playing so a tabletop rpg and honestly playing it made me wish that there were like a weeby equivalent but everything else is like mm-hmm. pretty straightforward linear jrpg i would love a free roaming story driven japanese game and i don't think that exists yet unless i'm mistaken don't believe so. Um, so in nope. that regard, you know, Thirteen Sentinels I think would be great because it's very much up to the. I mean, would you feel? Would you say it feels like the your choices as a player has impacted how you're ingesting the story? Again, like the the only choice that you really matter is uh, wh- when you select which mm. character you're going to play as. Like the choices once you're it's, in it's the story itself. Okay. Yeah, it's just like it's just going through the motions at that point. It's like, gotcha. what would the character do in this in this situation? Yeah, yeah, and I guess like there, the the only place that really would exist is like visual novels or dating sims. Which, uh, speaking of those, uh, so I kind of had a bit of a uh, a hankering uh, for <laughs> VNs because I I used to play like a bunch of VNs uh, back in the day, but I like aside from steins gate i haven't really played anything else mm-hmm. so i was like looking around it takes it's some the time. steam sale and i'm looking up shit and i'm like okay well i kind of just want like some easy popcorn reading so i picked up ace academy and oh yeah i saw th- i saw that popping up in my steam it's a solid seven out of ten um it <laughs> is i don't it's very j- basic it's like it, it, it's it's the trope. It's all of the tropes that you've seen before, but it's like played completely straight, and there's nothing new done with it. Which you know is kind mm-hmm. of, it, I think it was what I needed in that moment. It was just very yeah. Very, you were just looking for some light. popcorn, nothing to yeah. nothing to really make you think too hard. Yeah, that that's um. So along with anime, uh, I also picked up a new game with uh, my brother. Oh, that's a good which, one. That's another one that's like. Very very basic cute moe blob yep. kind of stuff yep. it's like i don't know it's just something comfortable to get through yeah um super comfy super but comfy. i picked that up because uh it also has like a follow-up game for one of the characters and i don't know if i've ever talked about this before but my personal I guess weakness you could say or like the the trope that it's like all right i'll let that slide even though i know it's like completely awful uh are cinderays uh <laughs> yeah so the cinder i know you told me that i'm not sure if you said it on the podcast <laughs> well now everybody knows cinderays <laughs> i i don't i really like them um i i think it's cute i know that it's completely unrealistic but no whatever i'll let it slide um yeah, so the Cinder and Ace Academy has like their own dedicated VN. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll get that. I'll I'll play through it. And <laughs> the entire time I was playing through, I was like, man, I just I need to kind of turn my brain off to enjoy this. <laughs> Which you know, it's it 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 has its own charm to it. 
Um, right. But aside from that, uh, yeah, that was, I guess, the weebiest thing I've been playing. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel, I'm still chipping away at that. But mm-hmm. I was telling you about this. I Cold Steel does, like, a an achievement sort of thing with its gameplay uh, where y- you have to do a bunch of things in between chapters, and if you don't, sucks to suck. And I kind of sucked because I missed out one thing, so I got mm-hmm. really demotivated <laughs> to continue because like, I was like, oh, "There goes hundred percent completion." Yeah, either I like roll back an hour and a half to like miss the one fucking fight that I should have done, or I just keep going. And I'm honestly like, "All right, at this rate." If yep. it doesn't carry over between games, I'm just going to fucking play through. Yeah, I, I never I never 100% completed any of the games. I almost, I came very close to Cold Steel 4, but I missed one in the very beginning. It's just, I'm just really like, you annoying know what, that, like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like the way that they tr- you, you track stuff is, like, a little, they could make it a little more obvious. Um, mm-hmm. They do, they do in three and four, mm. but yeah, in one and two, it's it's very obvious. It's like you got to it's like, like I have, and like you forwarded this to me like when I first started playing. But like whenever I'm playing, I have like the AP guide up to my left on my second yep. monitor, just like so that I don't miss anything. It was just this time I missed something, and it was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. This is this is yep. also why I don't like achievement hunting or like going after collectibles in games because it's like. I know if I miss something, it's going to be really upsetting for me. Right. And I, I feel like collectibles often uh, stymie the pacing of a game for me. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. Like, exactly. I, I, I specifically remember in like Uncharted games, like which are known for like their bombastic escape sequences. Sometimes there'll yeah. be collectibles during those escape sequences. Like, why? Like, why? It completely takes you out of it. Yeah. So that 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 annoys me. Yeah. I get you. But no, that that's uh, between that. I've been playing also a bunch of Hades as well, which is mm-hmm. still really good. Um, and then yeah, that's that's more or less <laughs> it. I'm really just trying to fucking chip away at my backlog because I want to play new games. But you know, having the backlog is like written up actually is nice because it's like all right, I I can't afford to take on anything else. Like I need to, like I I have to finish near Control, Sakuna, Trails of Cold Steel, and Disco Elysium. Because those are all <laughs> games I somehow decided, all right, I'm going to play all of these at the same time. I kind of did a similar thing back in college when it came to currently airing anime. When I watched mm. even more anime than I do now, like I would pick up way too many shows. And so I, I wrote them down on post-its. Nice. And to see it physically written out and be like, holy sweet mother of God, this is too many shows. Did this you is end too up much. actually finishing all the post-it shows? No, no. I, oh, that, at that rip, point, I would rip. make it a point to like cross some out. It's like, okay, let's let's uh, let's do some uh, triaging here. Oof. We do not need to do this whole thing. Which ones so that, didn't make I, the cut? Do you remember? Uh, I don't know. It was a long time ago. That was a lifetime ago. <laughs> college. <laughs> yeah, that was. That and that was like sophomore year of college that I did that thing too. Mm. Yeah. Alrighty. So, yeah, we we've uh, had a little longer introduction than usual. That's because there is. There, we have less news than usual because we, I'm not sure if you're aware, but we had some holidays going on and typically people don't work <clears> over <throat> the holidays. And when people don't work, that typically means there's less news there's no as news. well. Yeah. I mean, when I was like at work for Xbox, it was like, all right, just keep an eye on the feeds, but you basically have the Make day sure off. know what asshole leaks a release date for our iteration or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It wasn't really anything happening. So yeah, it's been a bit mm-hmm. of a, like a slow week in the entertainment industry, but this just kind of happens. So. Right. So the, the closest thing to like a bombshell that I could find that's actually really important to me, and I already gushed about this to you as well, is that we finally, 
at long last have a release date or a release window for the Tsukihime remake visual novel. Mm. And for those unfamiliar, Tsukihime is the very first visual novel to come out of the the doujin company Type Moon, uh, headed by Kinoku Nasu, who is well known for the Fate's Day Night franchise. (laughs) The Fate franchise, more uh, generally, I suppose. And the Fate franchise, you may or may not be aware, is huge, (laughs) Uh, especially Fate Grand Order right now. But Tsukihime was the very first visual novel before Fate's Day Night. It came out in uh 2000 the year 2000 oh my god it was the original doujin game yeah uh and this remake was announced in 2008 <laughs> um well they did it they haven't done it yet uh, we're not there <laughs> so they well and but they announced a release window right and like the, the, the yeah, date so hasn't been like put out yes. before so 2021 summer Okay. Uh, we okay. will supposedly finally get this remake for PS4 and Switch. No PC, interestingly enough, which oh, is odd. I'm okay to me. with the Switch, though. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with the Switch. Honestly, the it's Switch is like whenever really it, nice as a VN machine. Right. For me, whenever I think of like traditional VNs, not VNs with like gameplay elements like Danganronpa, but traditional VNs, I always think PC. But yeah, I would absolutely buy on Switch. It's just like, huh, wonder why no PC. That's interesting omission, but probably later. But yeah, this uh, there's not much to say in terms of the trailer and that. I, it, God, I can't wait. Uh, mm. I, Tsukihime was my very first visual novel I ever played. Uh, I remember my friend gave me a flash drive in junior year of high school. And he said, play the game that's on this flash drive. Nice. I'm like, sure. So I went home, plugged it in, and I just start clicking. And I keep clicking. And I keep clicking. And here you and are. And I keep clicking. And then like an hour later, I'm like, when's the game start? Oh, oh wow. <laughs> because oh. I didn't. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. Because I was didn't your, know like, what visual novels were. Visual novel. Yeah, I didn't know what oh, visual novels were. I didn't know like the game is the mm. story. Yeah. Um, so I, I came very close to just dropping it. And then like right after I had that thought, like maybe I should just stop. This is boring. It's like something happened in the game that just completely gripped me. And then from then on, it's just like kept going, kept going. I was just completely enraptured by it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've ended up where I am now. What I also didn't know about was how Arrogay is a thing. And the original Tsukihime. Wait, isn't it Arrogay? I don't Aero-gay. remember that. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Yes, it is. Maybe you played like an all-ages version that came out later, but uh, especially back in the early days. Of, no, that's not even the early days, but like in the in that period of time, for a doujin group, an, an unknown doujin group, hmm. for their game, for your kind of game to be successful at the market, if it didn't have H content, it was basically dead in the water immediately. Hmm. Um, and that's the main reason why the eight, and for so those who don't know, H scene in Arrow Game means 18 plus. Uh, it's that's the, Yeah, that's yeah. the main reason the H scenes in both Tsukihime and Fate's Day Night are so out of place and suck so bad. They're, because they're just like, we need to just throw this in here somehow so that we can sell this game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did not know that existed. So the first H scene popped up in Tsukihime. And I was just like, whoa, hold the phone. What's happening here? Because like, it came should, should out of nowhere. It, came, it was literally like the main character Chichiki was having a dream and the first H scene was part of a dream and then he woke up and he didn't remember it at all anymore. Oh, it had no ramifications on the main story whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a thing. No, con- I don't believe 
this remake will be an H game, considering it's on the PS4 and Switch. Those aren't allowed. Those are a no-no on there. Mm. But uh, yeah, the 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 trailer shows off a lot of the new art. Shows off the new voice actors. It shows nice. off this new opening movie done by UFO Table. It's gorgeous. Mm. So I just can't wait for uh, the world to learn that there's more because it also takes place in the same universe as Fate Stay Night. Mm-hmm. It's also currently known as the Nasuverse. But I can't wait for the world to learn that there is more to the Nasuverse than just Fate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Tsukihime truly is worthy of standing on its own. I say only remembering maybe about like 5% of it now because it's been over 10 years since I read it. Yeah, but I, I just, just remember from what I remember of Tsukihime, it's a little more on the like gothic side in terms of tone. Um, yeah. I mean, it, like it's about like vampires and like monster hunters. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's not as, what, what's the phrase? I don't even I was going to say it's not as chuny, but I feel like it's just as chuny. Uh, I think uh, hmm. something, I think a testament to it as well is, again, like, it was not only my very first visual novel, but it was also my first exposure to uh, Kino Konasu's writing style and his kind of uh, world building, the kind of universe he wants to build. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, if that was Fate's Day Night, that would be really hard to wrap their heads around just because, like, he uses a lot of esoteric terms that may or may not mean something. Sometimes like it it can get confusing real fast if you're not familiar the other with thing too either one or the about other. about that is that this will probably be the first time it's gotten an official localization instead of a bunch of nerds well, on the internet making up well, we localization. So this is the Japanese release. This is not... A, there's no word on a localization yet, so we oh. don't know if it's going to happen. Oh, well, that's a... Yeah. Hmm. Did Fate so, get a Western we can, release, or is it still nope. running on Fate's Fate Day Night still, to this day, does not have insane. an official That's localization. It's insane with how huge the franchise is. Yeah. Everything else, every single thing else in the Fate franchise has had an official localization, except the goddamn visual novel that started it all. I don't understand how. Like, I think it's seen as, like, <laughs> appropriately, this holy grail in the visual novel community that no company even wants to like touch because they maybe they just feel like they can't do it just i don't know well i mean uh, i don't know why uh, other longer visual novels have had official localizations right like clan had got an official localization and people yeah finally like two or three years ago yeah So. so it could still happen maybe this will like uh jumpstart that to where it'll finally get localized but yeah it really is mind-boggling i don't know I don't know if it is Type Moon that's preventing it or if it's just no one is uh, courageous enough. I, I don't know. But mm. yeah, hopefully we'll see uh, some more. Not some more, but maybe a hint of... Lo- if I feel like, for whatever reason, it being PS4 and Switch only on consoles makes me hopeful that this will get localized. Mm. I don't know, maybe picked up by Atlas, not not Atlas, uh, Nisa or Xseed, mm-hmm. because... I feel like a lot of the more prominent localization companies stick with console do you, do games they rather do than PC only visual. Do they typically? Oh, do yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nisa, Nisa did uh, Iwahime. Oh, okay. For the, okay. Yeah, the uh, visual <clears throat> novel I just played by uh, Rikishi 07. And yeah. Xseed has done a few others as well. The other one that's big is uh, what's what's a uh, not Arxis, uh, Axis, Axis games. Mm hmm. Although they mainly do Otome games, but they are console VNs. <laughs> but, man, 21 years. Tsukihime is now old enough to drink. 
Well, we'll be yes. old enough this year, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, 21 years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I think there's a greater mystery for Tsukihime because in Fate, there is a clear end goal. And there's yeah, a clear yeah, winner. It's like, yeah. whoever's last standing wins. And that's the end of the story mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. most part. <laughs> uh, but in Tsukihime, there isn't really an end goal. And like, there is eventually, but it's not clear from the outset. Yeah, like, yeah, depending on what yeah. route you are, like, you eventually learn what that is and what you want to accomplish. But it's not like, there's this shiny cup and we need to get it. And then we win. It's just like, oh, shit, I sliced this woman's throat open. That's bad. What do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. No, it's uh, it'll be in- I-, I think what I'm interested to um, and this is what I kind of would want to revisit older VNs for uh, is just seeing like that period of time captured because um, mm-hmm. at this point it really is a cultural time capsule. Yeah, for sure. Although I wonder, because a lot of other remakes of older series recently have kind of like s- subtly modernized their world. Like I'm not, I'm not sure if you noticed, but the Fruits Basket remake, everyone has smartphones. Oh yeah, yeah, and also same for uh, the World Ends with You remake coming up or anime coming up. Oh, it's they're going to have smartphones in that like as well. Recent years. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see if that whole it's it's an odd trend that's been happening with remakes recently, but we'll see if that holds true for Tsukihime as well. I guess I feel like it more accessible to people that are watching it now. Maybe. I'm not sure. But I feel like in Tsukihime's case, uh, because the story was all... I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so what we'll also have to wait and see is that I, I talked about how Mamoru Hosoda would be announcing his newest film soon. And that has been announced. So Mamoru Hosoda, who is the director of The Girl Who Left the Time, Summer Wars, The Boy and the Beast, and Mirai... Uh, his new anime film is titled Bell, as in B-E-L-L-E. And he's going back to his roots for sure, because mm. he said that this film will portray an ever-evolving online world that takes place in an online world called U, as in the letter U, which has 5 billion registered users. Um, mm. he, mentions how, he mentions how his past films have also played, uh, how virtual worlds have also played a role in his past films, like uh, Summer Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's going to take his experience with those films along with, quote unquote, recent insights and Mm. to explore themes specifically such as coming of age stories, family ties and love between parent and child. Okay. And friendship that transcends species. (laughs) That's an interesting. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's an interesting uh, one to tack on at the very end there. But yeah, I think... uh, to his point, we've seen what he can do with these kind of... He's also done uh, some of the Digimon movies as well. Uh, so we, we've seen what he's capable of with uh, telling these stories through the lens of these uh, virtual formats. And unlike where uh, Makoto Shinkai is at right now, where any announcement that comes out of his mouth at this point is would will probably be received with a healthy amount of skepticism, I think... Uh, well, this, re- really? This, this... Uh, so as a quick aside, like, what's the mood on, like, Shinkai right now? Especially, like, what, what's the mood on Weathering with you? The, I mean, it's it's lukewarm. Uh, there's people that liked it. There's people like you and me that weren't a huge fan of it. Because I remember we, when we most... talked about, like, when it came out, like, w- you were surprised to see, like, most people enjoying it? Um, I think it was more that it was breaking a lot of records in japan at the time oh, okay yeah and 
okay and there's another point it's like we've been we've seen time and time again how western and japanese taste can differ mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. widely so I, I shouldn't say that i shouldn't say that i should say that me personally then any announcement that will come from shinkai i'll i'll be a little i'll view with a healthy dose of skepticism mm-hmm. but in hosoda's case with this premise specifically i think it's in good hands yeah in his case because summer wars is very good yeah i I typically enjoyed most of his movies um like at worst i thought they were you know pretty good um Mm -hmm. yeah no so i'm 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 excited to see what's coming up with the new one yeah exactly there was not a single movie of his that i did not like like mirai is the only one that i didn't like super like Mm -hmm. but even then i thought it was okay i think i thought it was a fun ride still and so Mm -hmm. definitely looking forward to this one uh we have one promo image of it that it it kind of looks like a city on the water except it's digitized in a way it's it's a really pretty image if you want to look it up at some point but yeah uh no word on oh wait the film will open on in japan in summer 2021 Nice. So yeah, we'll see more on that. It also marks uh, Hosoda Studios' 10th anniversary. It'll be their 10th oh, anniversary nice. work. Moving right along, uh, Can't Stop the Demon Slayer Infinity Train. Oh yeah, so, I saw that headline. <laughs> yeah, so it, Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba Infinity Train, or Mugen Train, has officially overtaken Spirited Away as the number that's, one that, that, yeah, film in Japan in terms of ticket sales. Like I know Demon Slayer is one big film in the ever. states, but I think Demon Slayer is just like way bigger in Japan than we realize. Yeah, and I have a related story to do that to relate to that as well. But even then, it's just like to to think it has that much general appeal in Japan because mm-hmm. Spirited Away has undeniable general appeal. Yeah, but Demon Slayer, especially because it's a companion. Pe- this movie is a companion piece. It's not standalone. It's it's a companion piece, so you, ideally you would have to you would want to watch the um, series before going into it. I know maybe some people didn't, and that's contributing to these sales, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would act as a barrier, supposedly. And there also Demon Slayer. It's not like there's any themes that are really explored in it. It's just really good shown it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unlike Spirited Away, which goes into a lot of especially like. The uh, Japanese core to Japanese or Japanese core themes core to the Japanese society that many yeah, of their like people dealing can with like spiritualism, to. animism, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and so it's just it's really, really like good for Demon Slayer, but still, I just like why I cannot believe why or this. How? Yeah, like why? Like what is the magic juju juice that juju? Yeah, the juju that it has that just is appealing to the Japanese people, and the, the other story that. I have to relate to this is that according to a recent Oricon poll, which is the uh, the magazine company that ranks uh, like the the most popular uh, anime, TV shows, record sales, and things like that, they're like the go to uh, source of it. They recently did a poll of the Japanese familiarity with Demon Slayer, and they found that over ninety percent of the Japanese public is at least familiar with Demon Slayer. Ninety percent. Well. I mean, good for Demon Slayer, with, uh, but yeah, again, like, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't with, say, like, why, what, what's pushing it. Exactly. Yeah, so, of those people who said they are familiar with it, half of them said that uh, they are very familiar with the series, and then uh, approximately 30% of them said they uh, liked or really liked the series. I wonder uh, what the age demographic yeah, is. 
Yeah, so there's the other thing is that like it's all over the place. So they have quotes from uh, various different fans. And so one of these quotes is a woman in her 30s. It said, I would never have thought that at my age, I would have a conversation about anime with my mother who was in her 60s. <laughs> uh, a man in his 60s said that he was enjoying the series while letting his son explain it to him. Uh, a man, a woman in her 40s said that the series was the first time she, her spouse, and their child watched a film together in the Yeah, cinemas. but what is it specifically about Demon Slayer? Like, it... it... I, I, lo- I love Demon Slayer. It's a great series. Yeah. But, like, what is it specifically about this that, like, I, at the end of the day, yeah. it honestly is just a really good shonen. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm just, I would, I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around its insane popularity in Japan. Do you think it's, like, a hype thing where it's, like, it's perpetuating well, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's hype involved in it, but hype can only get so far, especially when it comes to general popularity. Oh, that's weird. I don't that's, trust it. it. Yeah. They're they're paying people um, off. That's what's happening. Yeah, I, I will say I will say uh the sample size for this poll is a little bit uh a tiny bit small for my liking. It it only got thirty five hundred responses. So to say that represents the entirety of the Japanese public I think is a bit of a stretch. But again, Oricon is a very reputable source um mm. for these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh, you it at the very least it's popular. It is super popular. Maybe not 90% of the Japanese public, but at least a very large chunk of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a woman in her 30s remarked that how when going to karaoke with people of different age groups, everyone is able to bond over the theme songs, Garange and Homura. Which, speaking of, uh, <laughs> Lisa's uh, Demon Infinity Train theme song is the one, the song of the year in Japan at the uh what what were the japan record awards what, what so it's just on? it's just the year of demon slayer of 2020 right. and it's not even the the year that the series came out <laughs> at, at least the anime i mean like, hmm. i guess i guess the manga did end in 2020 though right yeah yeah, yeah. i think so it's yeah. a completed series mm-hmm. man that's weird it's just like that's weird yeah i mean i i I can't even say it's, oh, man. I'm not like, even annoyed it by it. I'm just puzzled. Stuff? I'm just puzzled. Like, it, I would you like, even you would say have a better idea? Demon Slayer is accessible. I I would even like argue that it's not like super accessible. In- no, it's not. Yeah, that's why I mean. Like, what <laughs> is the movie? what is providing this general appeal? Hmm. Especially the movie, which is, again is a companion piece where most people would say you need to watch the series before you watch the movie. God, I, I can't. I, I, we're just repeating ourselves at this point, but it really is just a really good show. I mean, yeah, like, and there's I, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it, that. It really is just like an utterly fascinating phenomenon. It is really all. It yeah, is that. it's like the more you yeah. think about it, the less sense it makes. Exactly. Yeah. There's 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 no sense we can really make out of it. We can make some, a little sense out of this though. So uh, as you know, Comic Head has been canceled. Both Comic Heads mm-hmm. were canceled this year the biggest uh, doji distribution events in Japan. So there's usually one in May and one in December, and both those are canceled. Although the December one is, uh, wait, it's just pushed back to May, so one that just that's basically canceled then. Anyways, no comic hat this year, or last year now. Uh, and as you might know, that affects many different aspects of the otaku culture in Japan. Like we talked about how the print industry, that harmed them a bit, and people banded together for that. Um just general uh, doujin creators were affected by it. But there's one aspect of general Japanese society that I bet you wouldn't expect is affected. Uh, hmm. 
I'll let you guess once. By uh, the catering general industry. general Japanese society. Uh, that's a good guess, but no. Uh, it's kind of similar to that because you are catering a certain substance. It's blood donations. What? That? Oh, yeah. That makes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, it's like okay, I can see how that would be like the best opportunity for that to happen. Yeah. So uh, the Red Cross traditionally they set up. Some thirty, really cool, uh, some, yeah, thirty some odd blood donation buses at the Mekuhari Big Site every year, and the otaku, the, the visitors are very generous about donating do they blood. Do Probably, that for summer comic cat because I feel like that would be a bad idea to be standing yeah, around in the it, heat it, draining your blood. Yeah, so I, I am wondering about that, the safety, but they do do they did do it for both comic cats, and on average they obtain approximately 1500 standard size 400 mil packs of blood each oh. uh, from each comic head wow nice uh and they they would always usually have some sort of incentive like uh, some sort of special poster uh mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. previous years they had a hollow live one of uh, kanata amane oh, nice. a poster of her so yeah it, but yeah they'd have comic heads were a major source of blood donations in japan mm. and suddenly they're just out and so Comic head, the cancellation of Comic Head is actually contributing to a shortage of blood donations oh in God. Japan right now. And there's just a general shortage, shortage as well because uh, blood drives can't be carried out as yeah, easily yeah. as you might imagine. And so it's just exacerbated. The lack of a major event like Comic Head just exacerbates that probably even yeah, more. Yeah. So uh, they are uh, having, they are innovating a little bit to have safe blood drives, but of course they can't. Uh, they can't get up to the same level they were. They say that it's down 80% oh my from God. normal I mean, years. From that, that's eight, like from totally understandable. But like, yeah. Woof. Yeah. And I, I bet it's probably the same in a lot of other countries as well. It's just something we haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a interesting little aside about it. There's not much else to comment on it, but interesting little story. Hmm. Uh and that's all. I don't even have like an also this week tiny other little news stories because everything was a tiny little news story, really. Uh, I will say that uh, the next Trails game has been revealed, uh, Kuro no Kiseki. I'm excited about that, but that's just me, basically, and all the other 10 people that tri- play the Trails games. I'm getting uh, there slowly. Yeah. You are indeed. We'll be able to talk about it eventually. All right, but that brings us to our Shitsumon, then. We have finished 2020, we've watched some anime, and naturally, we'll want to talk about what's good and i'm the arbiter of all that is good so obviously what i say is good and if you disagree you're just wrong i mean i i wouldn't disagree with that just because i don't think i've really watched much from 2020 a lot of my like 2020 watching has been older shows um or stuff that came out before Mm -hmm. uh I, i think the only show that i've really seen this year that came out this year was snafu season three and he's, you had a few others on the list as well, but yeah, let's let's start off with Snafu season three because that's something that that's something that I should probably do as well. Is I, first of all, I need to rewatch the first two seasons mm-hmm. to get to season three. But uh, you you wrote about it in our best anime twenty twenty list, which is now published on Goomba Stomp. If you want to check it out as well. So what? So first of all, it's it's been seven years since the second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also went back and watched the first two seasons before going yeah. into the third season, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we both had the same reaction where we watched the first episode of the third season. Like, what is happening? Who are these characters? Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I went back through it. It's like, um, yeah, and everything makes sense. And I, I think what's really impressive is like after seven years, uh, season three feels like a seamless pickup 
from where season two left off. Um, mm-hmm. And it's nice. I, I, I really enjoyed the story. Um, I think it has a lot of good things to say about relationships um, and self-improvement and growing as a person um, and how to deal not not even deal with but like how to live with uh like baggage and trauma from you know when you were younger and how to like make that part of your life um and not let it like overwhelm you but like how Mm -hmm. to you know like analyze it deconstruct it and like figure out like what it's how it's played a role in your life and what it's done um, and I, I think it comes away with a lot of good messages about that. I think it does get, I feel like as I've gotten older, my tolerance for fan service has become much lower. Of course, um, I think that's And especially natural. in something like Snafu, where it spends so much time, like, focusing on the characters uh, and, like, giving them a good amount of, you know, depth. Uh, so... To clarify, Snafu does not have fan service, or at least much of it anyways, but it does still play on a lot of fan service tropes uh, in terms of what is this appealing to, right? It's not necessarily, ooh, here's some like scantily clad anime girls, but it does play up on like character archetypes, especially with like Yukino and Yui. Like they are very clear archetypes. And the show plays those archetypes kind of straight. Um, where it's like, you know, it's like the very shy, uh, work-driven person. And you is the bubbly, Genki girl. Um, and those those character archetypes in and of themselves, like, can be played as, like, some sort of otaku appeal, right? Like, that's the whole point of the show. Um, you know, it's a rom-com with these uh, anime girl character archetypes and it does like a lot you know to to give them a lot of depth but it does still play into like those aspects of it so um i think that i it's still a heavy recommendation like i i still love the show i still think it's great but it is something that you do need to keep in mind and i think it, it, it's not even necessarily a bad thing it's just something i noticed as i was watching mm-hmm. And is the third season, is that the conclusion of the story? Yes, that is the conclusion or, of the story. It is a that full is so cap rare. off of the arc, or just everybody's arcs. That is so rare to just get a finish to an anime story. I wish it happened more often. <laughs> yeah. Um, even more rare is I really just want more after things have been settled. Like, I don't like the trend mm-hmm. of things stopping just as, like, characters are getting settled into their new lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because life continues on after that, and yeah. sometimes you just want to see them happy after they went through so much. I mean, just like yeah, like that's that's what I loved about Clanad is like mm-hmm. there is literally an entire second season dedicated to what happens after the main couple gets together, mm-hmm. um, and even then, like it had like the after story episodes, which are fucking fantastic. Right. Um, so you you yeah. talked about how. Uh, it, it gives a lot of important lessons of just uh, contextualizing life and how to navigate it and things like that. And uh, if obviously these uh, these characters are in high school, and so do you think if you have wait a minute, I guess the first se- first and second season did come out when you were in high school or close to it, right? Yes, uh, I didn't watch them as they were coming out though. <laughs> okay, okay. So if you had watched the series while you were in high school, do you think you would have been able to? Uh, 
do you think it would have had an impact on you then yeah, as well? I think so. I think there's a lot of positive life lessons that really I've only myself like kind of figured out uh, mm-hmm. over the past couple years. Right. Uh, yeah. There's no. There's a lot of good lessons uh, that Snafu does mm-hmm. teach, which I feel like is very, or at least I don't see a lot of in more mainstream shows like this, uh, where they have a lesson really where it's like hey it's okay to fail um and Mm -hmm. like it's important to understand like what role positive and negative your family plays into your life and uh you know how to move on from them while still keeping them part of your life uh which Mm -hmm. i think are very important lessons but yeah i can't recall the last time that i thought like aside from giving positive role models or like having like good people when a show has made a statement about life Mm -hmm. yeah and it's been so long since i've watched season one and two so i couldn't really comment in a nuanced manner on them but i do remember sharing similar sentiments to you as well just being impressed by how how tenderly it addresses Mm -hmm. some aspects and not not afraid to to tackle some things that other shows shy away from for sure and it gets dramatic, but it's like, it's a very realistic drama um, mm-hmm. in the sense that like, this is something that just happens to people like yeah. every day. So, And I think uh, obviously there is an overabundance of high school settings in anime and just like mm-hmm. Japan influenced media in general. Like it's, it's known as the graveyard of creativity a lot of times, but it, <laughs> like a high school setting can still be meaningful because, because it is the formative years of uh, people's lives. Like it's not like. It's not like you you learn every lesson you can learn in high school. It's not like you you figured things out already. Mm-hmm. Like there can be things that other people figured out in high school that you never did, and that could still be relevant. Yeah, and to that's you what Snafu really feels day. like. Honestly, is like it, yeah. it feels like it's giving a bunch of different perspectives from different people who lived lives differently in high school, which is really mm-hmm. nice to see. Yeah, and I feel like a fruits basket is similar in that regard as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the terrifying realization. And Fruits Basket, watching an episode with my friend. So Shigure, the uh, the dog Zodiac and the kind of uh, the guardian figure yeah, yeah. for the main characters. Uh, I, I found out that he's 26 years old. I'm like, oh, get the fuck out of here. Like, you have your life way to too much together. Yeah, he, he, he has things, or he at least th- makes things look like he has things so figured out. I'm like, get out of here. I'm 27 now. I don't have my shit together yet. Mm. <laughs> mm. Whoops. Slipped down my chair a bit there. Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah, see, you don't All have shit now. figured out. <laughs> yeah, I don't even chair. have... I can't even sit in my chair properly there at this point. But... Yeah, no, I, I mean... Uh, it's just... It's really nice to, like, have... Yeah, positive life lessons in shows. <laughs> and have them say yeah. something. So. Exactly. Something meaningful as well. Yeah. Not something that... It's like, I feel like I'm being deep. It's like, nah, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's not like a particularly deep show either. It's just these are, like, good life lessons. Mm-hmm. On my end, my my favorite show of the uh, the year, which I've talked about before, but it's still hands down the Great Pretender, and I can also speak to it now because mm-hmm. it's done, it finished. Whereas last time I spoke after its first half, but uh, similar, I, I'm going to say the similar thing about it that I said about Thirteen Sentinels, except this time it's an anime, and that this show shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. It is a unicorn of an anime. At least it shouldn't exist with how the anime industry currently is and what I am familiar and the capabilities I'm familiar with it of, because it is 
incredible just how globally aware of a show mm. this is and how delicately it handles things such as PTSD and uh, various different cultures and just the minute details. Like there is a there is a black woman character in the show where the skin tone on her palms is lighter than the skin tone on the rest of her body. Oh. And that's just such a small little mm. detail that go- shows just how much uh, effort they are putting into uh, portraying just all these uh, various that's different types of people. Yeah, I guess that like are now that I'm trying world. to remember like black people in anime. And yeah, I guess, huh, that's an that's, interesting That's detail. not a detail that's really shown, yeah. yeah. Um, and just other uh, little aspects as well. And just uh, the amount of languages that are put in the show. And granted, I was watching the dub and I was curious and I switched back to the sub. And these languages are still present in there. So you have Chinese, English, French, German, uh, a little bit of Arabic as well. It's incredible how many languages and just pronounced properly too, from the extent of my knowledge at, at the very least. Like, especially the French that is spoken in the show, like that that's just French. Mm-hmm. It's not someone mm-hmm. trying to like force out French. It's like, no, that's just a native speaker speaking yeah, French. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't wrap my head around how a Japanese studio managed to create a show that takes place in so many places around the world and yet portrays them in ways that that's how it that's how the place is and not just how or the, the Japanese perception view of that it. place yeah. has. Yeah, exactly. I, I honestly, uh, if anything, that makes me more frustrated that other series like don't do that. I, I've, yeah, I yeah. It, it makes like the world feel so much bigger um, when you yeah. take that little extra effort. And it really isn't that much exactly. more effort. Yeah, and so that's the other thing is like this Great Pretender makes it seem so effortless hmm. so it, it makes while you're watching you're, you exact, you exact that's the exact feel so you're wondering how are there not more shows like this how is this the only show of its mm-hmm. kind really um and just the way um that's just on the global scale as well that that's the impre- that's one of its many impressive parts the other aspect is how it takes these grand stages like these giant cities these great settings yet it contextualizes all the sto- all of these settings within these very localized personal stories, and I think that is very difficult to do um, mm. to show these grandiose sta- uh, set pieces. However, to keep the story focused on the characters themselves and what they're going through, and that's all without even getting into. What are some of the greatest high stories we've seen this side of Ocean's Eleven? Mm-hmm. Like mm. uh, the stakes involved in these stories, like they are constantly, constantly, constantly keeping you at the edge of your seat in such a way that you never quite know what's going to happen. You never quite feel safe that the characters are going to get out of it all right, despite a lot of Kami, despite a lot of joviality to it. Um, you feel like things could go south at any given moment. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they do and they go south real bad. And the show is just in this Mm -hmm. constant state of one-upping itself Mm -hmm. in terms of twists. Like you thought you'd seen everything. Oh, wait until we just throw this at you Mm -hmm. now. And it just keeps on building upon itself. I think what I'd say uh, about like the show too, uh, going back to your earlier point uh, and, you know, kind of just tying into the whole thing in general, but like I granted, I've only seen the first start, but mm -hmm. the, the settings are just as much of a character. Um, as like the cast, mm-hmm. uh, and that drives you know both the heist and like personal development for the characters because 
Like, everything that they're doing is, like, tied to the location. Um, mm-hmm. And everything about them as people is tied to the location. Absolutely. I, I feel like, especially in the third arc mm-hmm. and the final arcs as well, like, the locations are very important. And the third arc, too, demonstrates how the series is just so capable of pivoting as well. It's The heist involved is much slower paced. It's not so frantic. I would say the stakes aren't... Like, the stakes aren't quite so do or die like the first two arcs and the final arc are. However, they are... The, it is the most personal heist of the whole series. And it tells a very different kind of story than the rest of the... Mm. And all the arcs tell a different story from the rest of them. Um, but this one specifically demonstrates just the mastery the the scenario writer and the director are capable of in mm-hmm. u- utilizing the tools that they've created, essentially, to tell different kinds of stories. And I was just in absolute awe in that as well. Mm-hmm. And that just carries through... A, the entirety of the the final case as well which is nine episodes long oh my god uh yeah the final case it's it's a grand finale for sure but i i i was really bummed out when i was done with it i want more i want more globe trotting anime i want more and we've talked about this before but i want more anime that take place in other parts of the world other modern day parts of the world like yeah i start again historical fiction cool and all but I want to see my world portrayed through a different medium. Hmm. And that doesn't happen often enough, especially in anime, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be... I I think one of the the cool things... I feel like we talked about this like the first time we talked about Great Pretender, but it really Mm -hmm. is interesting to like see how they captured a lot of stuff about like American society. Mm -hmm. Um where it feels like this, they, they probably had like consultants like who are from yeah, they LA, have to have, yeah right to be like okay well this is mm-hmm. how you want to portray this kind of thing mm-hmm. um so yeah like if they did something where it's like set in the pacific northwest or the south like but anime you know mm-hmm. um yeah i i guess there's there's just so many different stories outside of japan to tell um mm-hmm. that yeah, Great Pretender really does and, just stand out because of what it does. And that's, I, I wish Harry was on for this because we were talking about before how with Netflix producing more anime and I was I was saying how I hope that leads to a more globalization of anime in a way. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that that worries him because he really doesn't like globalization where people like will intrude in an art form. But like The Great Pretender, is, because this is a Netflix produced show. Um, mm-hmm. The Great Pretender is a prime example of what that's capable of when um, you, I'm sure Netflix gave Studio Wit the capabilities to create this show, that they provided some expertise. Of course, they provided funding, but I'm sure they provided things outside of that as well, such as the uh, the expertise and the uh, various people familiar with the unique locations and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And if, that, if that's what it takes to get more of these kinds of stories, and more of these uh, globally recognized stories. Yeah, do it. I'm okay with mm-hmm. that. Um, it's, and when it all comes down to it, to it too, Great Pretender is still undeniably an anime. It is absolutely still an anime. Like, let, make no mistake about it. But it is an anime unlike any other as well. Like, after I finished it, all I wanted was an anime just about some dude going around the world and experiencing other cultures. That's all. That along with a... Uh, Golden Kamui as well, like with Sugimura mm. experiencing the Ainu culture and all their customs. Like, I just want an entire anime of that. That would be even harder. 
but I just I want it really. I want the I want the anime equivalent of uh, what's his name for the travel travel channel. Uh, uh, Anthony Bourdain. Anth- Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, that's why. Although he's not quite culture, but similar to that essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally get you. Well, I mean, we we kind of have those. Uh, I I haven't seen it, but I think that's what Kino Notabi is about, right? It's just like episodic adventures, like as Kino travels to different areas. Yeah, but it's but fictional. it's not our world. Yeah, exactly. Give give me give me non-fictional. Give yeah, me non-fictional. there's um. Give me really like, no give, other give me non-fictional anime. shows. Uh, there's gotta be there's gotta be travel shows in terms of global travel no global like, travel you have, yeah hmm. you have Japanese like Eurocamp is a Japan travel show basically yeah, uh, yeah there, there's like a bunch of different stuff like um like Mushishi's one where it's like it's a traveling yeah. doctor so he, like the, the whole premise of the show is going to locations yeah um, but at the end of the day it's still all Japan yeah uh, so I guess there's really I feel like yeah, the in- the industry is moving towards a place where we can start ex- expanding that scope. At least I hope so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I had another point that I want to say that I'm blanking on. You were just thinking so much about this fictional, imaginary show you wanted. Yeah, uh, I. I was gonna say how. Yeah, I was. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna say like, are there any? non-fiction anime out there like are there any anime out there that's like based on a true story like we get plenty of movies oh God. like that uh but does that like the closest thing anime? i can think of is like, like does it happen yeah the closest thing i can think of is in like the west for shows and movies no no obviously not since i can hardly think of any the closest thing i can think of is garden of the fireflies which uh depicts like a horrible horrible point in history i i guess but there's other than all that, of like the historical fiction that happens with like sengoku jidai stuff but that's always like heavily fictionalized yeah and um, like golden kamui again is like sort of historic it's historical fiction but still fiction in the end of the day so i like oh, what about anime documentaries like could that be a thing oh, God. I'm... I, I don't know oh uh, oh uh vinland saga vinland saga is one um but that's I guess yeah. It's, I mean, it's still historical, it's still, right? But it does like yeah, cover it's still an historical different fiction, culture. Yeah. yeah, and does a good job with it. Like it's fairly yeah. Accurate. It still does a really good job. Yeah, I I would think I would say that's the closest we get for sure. But I would still file that under historical fiction. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's fair. That's fair. Damn, yeah. there really is nothing, huh? Yeah, like when when are we gonna get? When's the day we're gonna get an anime that opens up with like based on a true story? <laughs> oh man. Mm, well technically fate is based on true stories right because they're all like all, all of the heroes are like real people or like fictional people i don't know i don't fucking know that was a stretch yeah I, even even me the fate fanboy i am wouldn't go that far all right well the another show that i know we both watched this season was agretzko season three mm. you watched that right yes i did yes um and like the previous two seasons, I really, really liked it. It's it's inc- it's incredible how many relatable themes that show manages to touch on, despite its really cutesy exterior. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when you don't work in a standard office environment, uh, I have some thoughts on the ending of season three, though. But, yeah, uh, before I get I, into I that. do as well. Um, I'll just say that I really enjoyed season three up until the last few episodes. Right, yeah, uh, and I f- 
The problem with season three is how Agretzko has been very good at touching on modern day problems and themes that are icky in a society and trying to navigate those and usually coming to satisfying conclusions on how to yes. rectify them and yeah. the outcome that results on it. The problem with season three's ending and the topic it touches on is that it wraps up way too cleanly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if you um, thought the same thing. The last episode, more or less, the message there is you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself. Go back to work. Right. And which is I'm not, not sure. Gra- I, I guess it's 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 not old enough to go into spoilers, but the Something happens to Gretzko, and it's a really, really, really terrible thing that happens to Gretzko that would, it would not be unreasonable to scar someone for life. Um, And the way they rectify it is having a character, like Kyle said, kind of just shout at her saying like, you need to get over it. Is what it boils yeah, down to. Yeah, and, and then she got great. over it. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I think I get it why they're doing that because, mm-hmm. uh, with three seasons of Agretzko out now, like they are going a for now. a formula, um, mm-hmm. and every season basically resets the status quo, which right. Uh, I. I don't think. I don't think that's bad. I think in a different show it would have been fine, but for a show like Agretzko that like tries to make statements about adult life or early adult life, um, it kind of falls flat when it feels like things that should be giving Agretzko like reasonable progress don't, mm-hmm. or it's like she like sets herself up to, or, or the show just sets her up to like go back to the beginning, effectively rendering her efforts kind of null. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I remember I saw a Twitter post after the third season ended that kind of broke down how just exactly how Agretzko starts at square one, essentially, <laughs> again, at both season two yeah, and season and three, like, and where she'll start I, at that I, point I, in season I'm, four as well. I'm a little frustrated because like, I really like I like 90% of Agretzko. Like, I, I really yeah. like most of the show, um, especially the dub. I think the dub's fantastic. I think the characters yeah, the dub are really, is fantastic. It's really funny, um, and it gets to like some really pretty real topics, um, and know deals with them pretty maturely but it is really frustrating to see them just go back to square one especially because of how real it gets exactly like, that's, that's not how real life the, works the issue. real life yeah like, because they stick. they they pay so much attention to giving proper heed to these really serious topics and then when it comes to kind of internalizing those lessons yep, in yep, a lasting yeah. form they kind of just hand wave it away it's like uh, yeah and that's you know going back so, to snafu for a bit that was my like favorite thing about it is like they learn these lessons but they learn them like fairly relatively early on it's not like an end of season revelation it's like a slow gradual shift over as they internalize these values um to the point where like you know it, it, it's it's really cool to see these characters like look back at themselves and how they were at the beginning of season one. And you like, it's almost imperceptible, like how they shift from the beginning of the series to the end. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and that's you know. that's how these kinds of lessons should be because it is very rarely ever in real life like this very all of a sudden just mm-hmm. revelation side It's like, aha, I've been doing it wrong all along. Yeah, Starting nope. tomorrow, I will be, start doing <laughs> I life will pro- be properly. A better it's, person. it's never that's, like that. Yeah, that's not how that works. Yeah. It, yeah, so that's how those kinds of life lessons should be portrayed mm-hmm. in this. And unfortunately, like, Agretzko is very much like that, where she'll be talking to someone, and then she'll have her monologues like, I've been wrong all along. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and then, okay. And then she'll fix it. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, like, it's still... I still applaud Gretzko for tackling the topics it does and the way it does. And that like, yes, this, she comes to the solutions relatively easily. However, I think the the process of uh, seeking help when you need help or mm-hmm. finding support where you least expect it is still done due justice. Yeah, yeah. It um, still it's does just, a lot, right? It's just... It's compressed. <laughs> Stop it's hitting compressed. the fucking reset button, please. Yeah. And then I think the... There's tons of shows that we want to talk about, or I want to talk about too, but I think the last one that I think we really should touch on that we both watch is Keep Your Hands Off of Azokin. Azokin, yeah, that, God, that was a beginning of 2020 release. Yep, that was that was January 2020. It oh kicked off the year. Mm-hmm. And I think that show, if you want, if you want to gaze into the head of a top-tier anime director, what goes through their head when they're creating a show, when they're drawing a storyboard when they're dra- mm-hmm. like doing things up in their mind what the things they think about what things the common person doesn't think about like no show does that better than keep your hands off of it okay yeah so i was actually talking to a friend about this um and he didn't really like it that much but i i understand where he's coming from because from his perspective like it didn't really say anything um where mm-hmm. it was like they had the problem and then they solved it, which I get. Right. If you're looking for some mm-hmm. like kind of conflict or like some kind of life lesson, where there isn't that, that isn't really a thing. Like the characters are the same from episode one at the, from the beginning to the end. They are the same characters. There is no real mm-hmm. development that happens to them. But if you know, like you said, Matt, if you go into it wanting to like see the artistic process and that's the appeal for you, yeah, it's a great show, and I really like that. I, I personally really like that as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I the, the one part that will always stick out to me, and this isn't like a, a directorial decision, or maybe it partly is, because I, I'm still a little fuzzy on just how m- much uh, influence a director has on shows and how much it is the animators. But the part where uh, I've forgotten all their names at this point, but the girl who is their lead Kinda animator, more, oh uh, god, Asakusa, Asakusa, yeah, and uh, she's just so obsessed with capturing the the simple motion of her grandmother flicking the tea out of her cup oh her oh, oh like, yeah yeah that was a different character yeah it, but yes okay yeah you lied to me but yeah she's just so obsessed with capturing that motion and she puts so much effort into it and you're just wonders like it's such a simple thing like why why would it's something that you or me going through life we wouldn't really pay attention to but mm-hmm. uh someone in animator see that really wants to bring a world to life you need to capture the things that people don't notice as well and may not even notice while watching the show as well. And that's what creates a, a living, breathing world. And so mm-hmm. when you finally see that come out and how she portrays that and how she implements that into their final thesis statement, basically, uh, you understand it's like, ah, I, I feel that satisfaction that she feels now. Like I, that adds so much mm-hmm. to the scene that, a lot of people viewing it might not even consciously realize. Yeah, so what, I, yeah, I definitely say like what the the main point or the main appeal of Azekin is is like it's a show about the artistic process and perspective 
um, where you know, if you really want to like have a look at that, um, yeah, it, it's a really good show for capturing what it feels like, you know, like you said, to be in the head of an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, it's just, I'm it's definitely fun. not super creative. I want to be more creative. <laughs> I wish I was more. <laughs> but yeah, it really is just like a matter of like how they how they change their perspective uh, to view the world. Yeah. And it's just literally changed their perspective sometimes, which is the way that the show itself will just show their imaginary trips through Looney Lane mm-hmm. of all the mm-hmm. wacky ideas they have. It's just like, it, it, it's interesting because the sh- it's almost like the show, it, it teaches you what they're thinking about, what they're paying attention to. And then you can immediately apply that concept to that same episode when they go through those sequences. And then you can pick out, it's like, oh, this, okay, this is, you can see like, this is where the director was thinking by doing this or by showing mm-hmm. that, whether or not they are narrating that too. And so it's, it's the show is a learning process. It's a two-way learning process. I shouldn't say two ways. It's still one way. The show isn't changing <laughs> yeah. because of what you think. Um, but it you you feel like you feel like you're generally learning something rather than just like passively absorbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's nice. and like that. That's the reason why you know, like a lot of people enjoy like watching like art streams or watching people draw and like talking about their process because um, mm-hmm. there is a lot of like gratification that comes from seeing another person work. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do art streams someday. There you go. Uh, stream it. Have that be part of your rotation. Go. I gotta get. Well, you know what would first. be the perfect excuse for that is to go along with Ina's Sunday gesture drawing streams. Uh, yeah, I, I have been thinking about doing that. So I, I have. I, I actually did do my first drawing. I'll send it over to you later. Oh, nice. Of a Grand Blue Fancy character came out pretty okay, I think. Nice. Uh, the last thing I want to mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, uh, last... speaking of uh, 2020 in anime, um, I guess, does Hollow Live count? <laughs> for us, not for the the greater Hollow Live community. Yeah, well, but I guess Hollow Live has been a big impact for people. That has definitely uh, been like in 2020. I, I yeah. probably watched more VTubers than I have anime this year. Yeah, I, I've definitely been behind on them lately, but I God, I, I love them all still. <laughs> Amelia's gotten so much more toxic on her FPS dreams. It's hilarious. Oh, she's fine. Anyways, she's, she's <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. But the last the last thing I want to say about Azoken before we wrap up is uh, Azoken is very good from the creative side of things, but I still always really like recommending uh, Shiro Bako to people wondering like how a team an anime studio comes together as a team to put together a series. And I think that is a very insightful show as Mm -hmm. well from all the way from the director level to the producer, to the lead animators, to the keyframe animators, to the sound directors and things like that. How do you manage this group of multi-talented people to create the moving pictures that appear on your screen? Oh, it's a very, very insightful show. Okay. So it's the, it's the flip side and also the business aspect of creating anime too. So if, if you are interested in all in anime creation, you got Azoken for the creative aspect and the Shirobako for the managerial oh, aspect. This looks like Both new very, game, very good. but for anime. Yeah, kind of, except a more realistic lens. Oh, than okay, new that's game fair. That's to game fair. development. <laughs> yeah, uh, new game date game development is kind of like, yeah, we crunch and it works. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, uh, <laughs> to be fair, that mm-hmm. is uh, not an uncommon way to approach yes. game development. Mm-hmm. 
but what goes into the crunch? What is the crunch? What, what, what kind of crunch? crunchy texture yeah, are we talking fair. about? Yeah. Are we talking about the crunchy chocolate bar? Are we talking like a crunchy uh We're, we're, we're talking about bar? Uh, anime girls sleeping under their desk because they can't go home because there's too much work. <laughs> That's crunch. <laughs> All right. I'll crunch out this podcast editing when we're done recording, which will be soon. Um, Just wrapping up now. So with that, I am Matthew Ponte. You can find me at Musing Mojack, M-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K on Twitter. I've also started Twitch streaming, which you can find me on Musing Mojack as well on Twitch. I'm mainly streaming things. I'm mainly streaming Hades right now, but I've also been doing a few gorilla streams of uh, of Genshin Impact. And I also streamed uh, Fake Grand Order recently on a whim. And that was surprisingly popular. I can't believe how much attention that got. But yeah, I've really been enjoying it. So if you want to check me out, I stream every Monday and Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, at the very least. And I might be doing other streams in between there as well. But come check me out. Give me a look. We can have some fun together. Kyle, what about you? What do you want? Oh, yeah. And I uh, I want to promote. Yeah. Oh, God. I didn't think of one beforehand. Uh, Shirabaka. There you uh, go. Okay, yeah, I already did Shirabaka. Yeah, let's do more of that. It's it's just a fun show on top of also being a very uh, neat look into the anime industry. Okay. Uh, now for me, I am like the rope on Twitter. Uh, I haven't really done much, so if you look me up online, you're just gonna see me retweeting shit posts. Uh, I've been super busy with work, <laughs> uh, and I've also tried to spend a lot more time for myself to just relax and do things so i haven't really been creatively productive for a while now but that is that is okay take time for yourself G- give yourself a break exactly let yourself rest i would yeah i was telling kyle before we start recording but on my two or maybe i said on the podcast i'll say it again but uh, i've it's had important. my two-week break and it took me like my entire first week of my break to just rewire my brain to understand that it's okay to just be a vegetable on your mm-hmm. break you don't need to be productive and so this past week i've finally been in like full vacation mode just games video games visual novels anime essentially mm-hmm. it's, it's important you got to understand that it's okay it's okay it's okay vegetate. we are very much uh, or at least american society is very much built up the idea that you got to be constantly doing stuff but no you really don't <laughs> chill all right oh one last thing I will plug, though, which was the last bit of productivity I did, was, again, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but we have our best anime of 2020 list on Goomba Stomp. It's not ranked. It's just a Writer's Choice Awards, like what were our favorite, an- what was each respective writer's favorite anime of the year. So if you're interested in seeing what was good, you can go check that out. And other than that, hope to see you on my stream and hope to have you back as a listener next time. Thanks for tuning in. Ciao. Seven, nine, three, four, five, six, seven, eight.